Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake-me-up-when-the-sun-sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Real people. Real crimes. Real life drama. Chelsea? Yeah. Uh, you hear about the call 2900 West Anderson? Yeah, I'm headed over there. No. 2900. Uh, 2900. That's a uh, business. I'm John Jones. I was a sergeant investigator. I was working night watch out of homicide when this call comes out. Okay, I'm copying the fire part you cut out on the first part of that. First, it was, uh, you know, firing a business. It's uh, three fatalities. I stand for Then they called me on the radio and said, we got three people dead. Triple fatality. And I got about a mile down the road, and they said, make that four. No, that's a shopping center. What place of business is this? And we got out there, and uh, it was just a sea of red. More than 25 years ago, I started reporting on what turned out to be the most horrific crime story I have ever encountered. It happened here in Austin, Texas in December 1991. I'll never forget how the lead detective described the crime scene. For a long time, I shut out what I saw. Just uh, wholesale carnage. But we knew immediately that they were kids. Eliza Thomas, Amy Ayers, Jennifer Harbison, and her sister Sarah. At 3 o'clock that morning, uh, some people were at my door, and then they said there was a fire, and uh, they told us that both of my girls were dead. It wasn't just the fact that four young girls were killed, it was how they were killed. Yeah, I've seen homicides, but not four. And not four all tied up, and not four stripped down, and not four burned. They were stacked, their bodies were stacked. They were burned and they were stacked. One of the toughest parts about this was having to deal with those parents the next morning and try to look them in the eye and tell them. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure we get the people that did it. 
You have some suspects, but none of these are ready to be arrested. No. It took years to come up with any answers, but finally, in 1999, there were suspects and arrests. Early this morning, the Austin Police Department served four arrest warrants charging four individuals with capital murder. Are you one of the killers of those four little girls in that yogurt shop? No, no way, not at all. I'm Robert Springsteen, and I'm just a normal guy. Four children dead in an area where you'd think they'd be safe, a suburban shopping mall. I never thought that tonight, more than 25 years after these girls were murdered, that I would still be reporting on this story. But as it turns out, that closed case wasn't closed after all. It's the first time we have physical proof about who was there. Did authorities get it wrong? Did they put innocent men in prison? They've been looking at the wrong people the entire time, and the killers are still out there. I know for a fact I know one of them. I'm Erin Moriarty. Tonight on 48 Hours, Innocence Lost. Fans of the 48 Hours podcast know that life can be unpredictable, and the last thing you want is uncertainty on your own doorstep. Simply Safe provides 24 7 monitoring and live guard protection, prioritizing your safety around the clock. With affordable plans starting at less than a dollar a day, it's the best choice for protecting what matters most. With Simply Safe, there are no long term contracts, and installation is simple whether you do it yourself or opt for professional installation. And you can rest easy knowing Simply Safe offers a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Take control of your security today. Get an exclusive 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. Don't wait until it's too late. Protect what matters most with Simply Safe. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Let's talk about my mochi ice cream. Why? Because friends do not let friends miss out on something this good. My mochi is premium ice cream wrapped in sweet soft dough, and the flavors are amazing. Like my mochi double chocolate with rich chocolatey bits, it's a chocolate lover's dream. Or don't get me started on my mochi strawberry ice cream. It's cool, creamy, and bursting with natural berry flavor. And the sweet, luscious flavor of my mochi mango will send your taste buds straight to the tropics. My mochi is gluten-free, perfectly portioned, and only around 90 calories per piece. Taste the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream today. Find My Mochi at Walmart or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. children dead in an area where you'd think they'd be safe, a suburban shopping mall. But where is safe anymore? FBI All we knew when we first started on this story was that four young girls, one was as young as 13, were murdered. They were executed and then the building was set aflame. What could be more horrific than that? These were the facts. Jennifer Harbison and Eliza Thomas, both just 17, have been working the late shift in the yogurt shop. Jennifer's 15-year-old sister, Sarah, and her friend, 13-year-old Amy Ayers, had dropped by to help close the shop for the night. Amy's dad, Bob. I feel a loss every day. I miss her every day. I really do. The Harbison girl's mom, Barbara. They were so sweet. You know, they were good. All four of those girls were wonderful kids. Eliza's mother, Maria. Unless you've been through it, you just cannot imagine how bad it is to have lost a child and to have lost one to violence, too. 
Austin, Texas was a big city, but with a small town attitude. That kind of crime happened somewhere else. So in many ways, these four murders changed Austin forever. The cops told me that three of the girls had been shot once in the head. Little Amy was shot twice. As police and firemen worked the scene, lead detective John Jones had to face the press. What we found in the back there was we found four victims. Were they bound in any way? Can't give you that. Were the victims together or were they in different parts of the building? Can't give you that either. We'll give you as much as we can, but we are gonna have to hold a lot of things back because we are handling as a murder. Jones worked the case with his partner, Mike Huckabee. It's dark inside, it was smoky, burned installation everywhere. And uh, just the cold feeling of, of death. I saw things in Vietnam and I thought nothing will ever match that. Well, this matches that because it's in Austin, Texas. It's in, it's, you know, right down the street from where we live. The problem with this case, what really hampered the investigation was that firemen were called first. So you had all these people walking through the crime scene and then you had that water that washed away much of the evidence. Had it happened today, there, there would probably a better way to process the crime scene. But back then, we processed the scene the best as we could with what we had. Of course, you assume that these four murders were just so awful that they had to be committed by monsters. And so the investigation went that route. Open the door, police! We've come across all lifestyles, every type of criminal person that you can think of, and every kind of loony and crazy. The cops went after Satanists and serial killers, like the infamous murderer, Kenneth McDuff. That was a strange man. He flat said, had I done it, I would tell you, because I'd be proud of it. Has anybody looked at him? I did, uh, we did a workup. It was just one dead end after another. What do you got? The phone never quit ringing. There would be stacks and stacks and stacks of tip sheets on desk. I've never seen a case where there were so many leads coming in, so you had these detectives, John Jones and Mike Huckabee, completely overwhelmed. They didn't even know where to start. Can you give me some indication of just how many suspects you've gone through here? Well, okay. 342. We're looking at pages and pages of suspects here. And how does that compare to a normal murder case? Oh, it's off the scale. Way off the scale. Back then, this is what the cops knew. There was about $540 missing from the register. There were two guns used in the crime. And investigators were focusing on young people, like a 16-year-old kid picked up at a local mall. We had uh, the very first one, a guy named Maurice Pierce. He got arrested at North Cross Mall with a gun. Did he pan <laughs> out at all? No, he didn't. He sounded good. We had to move on him. We couldn't prove that the gun was used because the ballistics wouldn't match up. Jones remembers interrogating Maurice Pierce along with three of the friends he was hanging out with that day, Michael Scott, Robert Springsteen, and Forrest Wellborn. But nothing panned out. So we got to a point to where we couldn't go any further with any of the four. There were plenty of leads to follow. Believe it or not, there were actually people who were volunteering that they were the killers. I know that false confessions happen in high-profile cases, but in this case, there were dozens. People brag about killing? Yeah, they did. And, you know, at first, you know, they puff out their chest, but after a few minutes, you know, they give it up. Oh, well, uh, I was just kidding. We had six written confessions. Several of them were pretty good. Huckabee and Jones agreed that any confessions would have to be backed up by solid evidence. We weren't going to sign on the line until we had met the standard of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Why was that so important to you, that you had more than a confession, that you had real evidence here? We felt like we owed it to the families to get it right. 
I thought, they're gonna find out who did this. There were so many leads coming in. But after weeks, and then months, and then years, even the girl's parents began to fear that maybe police would never solve these murders. What happened? Did they know they were gonna die? Were they afraid? I don't wanna know who did it and why. I don't think they'll ever solve it. I need to know if somebody's paying for this. That was just the question everyone was asking. Who killed these girls? Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. What would you describe, Amy? She's cowgirl. She's country. Clint Black. Clint Black. Garth Brooks. Beans and cornbread. <laughs> onion. Bowl of cereal every morning with chocolate milk. <laughs> I can see her riding. Just taking off across the pasture on a horse and enjoying it because she loved it so much. Every day I go down there and throw a leg over a horse. I think about her. You know, I wish she was there with me. When I caught up with Bob and Pam Ayers almost eight years after their daughter Amy was killed in the yogurt shop, there were still no arrests. It's hard to think that your child had to go through that and you couldn't do anything. You, you were not there for them. Your life changes when you have kids. And boy, does it ever change when you lose one. My job was to follow the investigation. So from the very beginning, I was with the lead detectives, John Jones and Mike Huckabee. This case took over their lives. Task force They were determined to find out who killed the four girls, Amy, Eliza, Jennifer, and Sarah. For years, they got nowhere. It seemed like every time that you opened a door and you thought that, uh, the answer was going to be on the other side, uh, and there would be a brick wall. Huckabee and Jones were taken off the case, replaced by new investigators. We did the best we could do. Some people will argue that that wasn't enough. Some breaking news. Austin police have arrested four men in connection with the... And then in 1999, almost eight years after the murders... Austin police tonight believe they have four killers behind the bars. Lo and behold, investigators have real suspects, four suspects. Eight years has been a very long time. It's the biggest break in this case. Sarah, Jennifer, Amy, Eliza, we did not forget. In custody, Forrest Wellborn, Michael Scott, Robert Springsteen, and Maurice Pierce all in their 20s. 
Mr. Springsteen, I, now you understand these nuances. If those names sound familiar, there's a reason for it. Those are the same four guys who were picked up just eight days after the murders, investigated, and then dismissed. And we both looked at each other, and I think we both wanted to felt like we were going to fall to the floor. I mean, that was the last thing we expected here. There was a feeling that maybe the two lead detectives screwed up. Maurice Pierce was that gun-toting 16-year-old caught at the mall. But this time, when the new detective spoke with Pierce and his three friends, they got a big break. One of them, Michael Scott, confessed. I remember looking at this girl. I had a gun go off. I only pulled the trigger once. I hear another gun go off. I think I hear a total of five shots. It started, Scott said, as a simple robbery. The four guys had cased the place that afternoon and jammed the back door open. Come on, Michael, you're doing good. Tell us, let's do this today, let's do it. Same girl. I remember seeing them down. I remember one girl screaming, terrified. And it wasn't just Michael Scott telling the story. The new detectives got a second confession from Robert Springsteen. He told them he not only killed one of the girls, he raped her. Did you do this? I have no comment. The police theory was yes. These four guys planned to rob the yogurt shop. Three of them would go in, and then one of them, Forrest Wellborn, would stay outside as the lookout. But something went awry, and then the killings began. Seeing the suspects actually admit to the killings made it all too real for the families. We had accepted the fact that Amy had died quick, and she didn't. They suffered that night, and we've tried to make it less than it was, and we're finding out that it was as bad as we ever thought it was for them. You would think that these four guys, suspects in this horrific murder, would be cold-blooded characters. So I was taken aback when I met the youngest one, Forrest Wellborn. How are you feeling? Scared. I spoke with Wellborn shortly after his arrest. What scares you the most? Forrest Wellborn was 15 years old at the time of the murders. He came across as a simple, frightened teenager. There was absolutely no physical evidence, nothing to tie him to the murders, except for the word of one of the other defendants, Michael Scott. How many people were in the LTD? Just tell me. Three. Michael, three people. You, Maurice Pierce, and Robert Springsteen. Yes. And even he seemed to need prodding to put Wellborn at the scene. Who else was in the car? Me, Robert, Maurice, and Forrest? Were you there as a lookout? No. Were you in the car? Could you have been in the car? No. Not at all. Forrest waited in the car, didn't he? Forrest was in the car, wasn't he? Forrest was in the yeah, car, but Forrest I was in the car. Forrest waited outside. When Wellborn, the alleged lookout, was interrogated by police, he denied knowing anything about the crime. You could have done something. You could have suggested something. Maybe you did suggest something. They're trying to tell me what to say. Did you try to suggest something? Maybe we shouldn't do this? This ain't right? This ain't the right thing to do? You were doing this. That's what it was. Just say it. Did you try to convince anybody this wasn't the right thing to do? Don't say you weren't there because you were there. They'd get right in my face and, you know, tell me everything I said was a lie. At the time, I found Wellborn credible. And as hard as the cops tried, they couldn't get him to crack. You ain't gonna forget them goddamn screens. You ain't gonna forget hearing them goddamn gunshots. Never tempted just to get them off your back? No, I wasn't. I'm not gonna lie about something like that. They tried twice to indict Forrest Wellborn, and they couldn't do it. So eventually, charges were dropped against him. Charges were also dropped against Maurice Pierce. Police were convinced he was the mastermind, but they just didn't have any evidence to prove it. That's tough mm -hmm. because he, he doesn't have a... He's so guilty and he's walking around. That's... Oh, that's a tough one. 
everything falls apart, except for the cases against Robert Springsteen and Michael Scott. And even there, there were some serious problems. All they had were the men's confessions. And the defendants said those confessions had been coerced. You're the coldest guy I've ever talked to in my life. Are you a cold-blooded murderer? No, sir, I'm not. I, I think you are. I think I was berated and berated and berated by the police officers until they obtained what it was they wanted to hear. They were not going to allow me to leave. And I, I basically, they, they broke me down. Ten years after the yogurt shop killings, Robert Springsteen was the first to go on trial. These young men have been implicated and they have confessed and they can withdraw it. But the truth is they actually were there and they actually did the murders. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. In May 2001, nearly a decade after the yogurt shop murders, Robert Springsteen's trial began. Mr. Springsteen, you understand you've been accused of the offense of capital murder. There's been a lot of hoopla and madness going on here the last several years, and I would like to get some of the, the records set straight on this and have the people know the truth. When Springsteen was arrested, he was married and working in a stockroom. But at the time of the murders, he was a 17-year-old dropout who hung out at the mall. When you first start working on a case like this, you want to meet the defendants. You want to talk to them. You want to look them in the eye. You want to see for yourself these guys who have been accused of such horrific murders. Let me just ask you, did you okay. have anything to do no, with the murders at the yogurt shop? No, never. Springsteen pointed out that there never has been any physical evidence linking him to the crime. Were your fingerprints ever found anywhere at the yogurt no. shop? Your blood? No. Your DNA? No. Any hair? No. But Springsteen did have trouble explaining, after denying for hours that he was involved, why he would later confess to both rape and murder. How does that happen? I don't, I don't know. There's, there's psychological aspects to it that I don't understand. What really helped somebody like Robert Springsteen is that he had a litigator, Joe Jim Sawyer, a bigger-than-life Texas lawyer on his side. They were going to get a confession out of Robert Springsteen, period. Period. They weren't leaving without it. They got him isolated, and they went to work. You're going to confess, and God damn it, you will confess, and he, by God, did confess. But Springsteen seemed to get some of the details right. For instance, he demonstrated the position of Amy's body, and he knew that she had been shot with a 380 handgun. There are details in Robert Springsteen's admissions that are pretty credible. Oh, yeah. I mean, how would he have those kind of details unless he was there? 
because he had known the details for years, because they were on the street. They were known to virtually every kid who had any interest in the case who had been there the night of and the nights following those murders. The parents of the victims were absolutely convinced that the police had it right, that they had arrested the right guys, and that Robert Springsteen and Michael Scott had killed their little girls. The first trial was extremely hard. It was so hard and it was long. We all were there and we were sitting through it day after day. That Robert Burns Springs shot Amy Ayers in the top of the head. For three weeks, the family sat there and heard the horrible details. Knowing what uh, the girls went through that, that night, uh, listening to them talk about them pleading for their lives. Prosecutors used Springsteen's confession and corroborated it with parts of Michael Scott's written confession, which was read to jurors. Scott himself refused to take the stand. While Mike Scott's statements were actually presented to the jury at Springsteen's trial, you never got to cross-examine Mike Scott. That's right. Jurors deliberated for 13 hours. Robert Springsteen was convicted and then condemned to death row. We were all just wept when he was found guilty, and even though we got what we wanted, he, he got death, and we were happy for that. It was still horrible that we were hoping to take someone else's life. A year and a half later, Springsteen's friend, Michael Scott, who also claimed to be innocent, was convicted as well. He was sentenced to life in prison. And so, after all those years, it felt like the end. But in fact, the case was far from over. 15 years after the murders, a shocking turn of events. The 5-4 decision, the court behind me said that Michael Scott's constitutional rights were violated during his trial and therefore should get a new one. Ultimately, both Scott's and Springsteen's convictions were overturned. The cases thrown out, and here's why. Everyone is entitled by the Sixth Amendment to confront an accuser, but in the case of Michael Scott and Robert Springsteen, their confessions were used against each other, but they were never allowed to cross-examine each other at trial, and so their constitutional rights were violated. They would have to be tried all over again. It was pure agony for Eliza Thomas's mother, Maria. I felt like my head was going to spin out of my body. And it was because their rights were violated. Every time I hear those words, that their rights were violated, I just feel like I'm going to go insane. I mean, I just, I don't, I, pretty angry, you know, their rights were violated. Our girls were murdered. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, Los Angeles. Are you looking for unique 4th of July plans for you and your friends or family? LA's greatest rivalry returns to Rose Bowl Stadium for a July 4th edition of the El Trafico soccer matchup as the LA Galaxy return to their original home to defend their turf against LAFC. Last year, a record crowd of over 82,000 fans were on hand to witness the Galaxy victory. That's July 4th at Rose Bowl Stadium. Guaranteed fireworks both on and off the field and a celebration for all of L.A. L.A. Galaxy versus LAFC, the Rose Bowl edition. Tickets at lagalaxy.com slash tickets. It's 23-hour lockdown. There's no human contact. Everywhere you go, you're handcuffed and escorted by two officers. When you're forced into an environment like that, it's very, very difficult it's so restricted 
and regimented. Robert Springsteen, then 35 years old, had already spent 10 years in prison. He admitted he was no choir boy as a teenager. I had a, a kind of like a minor in possession or disorderly conduct or whatever it was back when I was 17. But he also had no history of violence. I'm very humble, very family oriented, and I'm just, just a normal guy. Although his murder conviction was overturned in 2006, the district attorney was determined to retry him. Ironically, neither he nor Michael Scott would even be in this situation had they not confessed to the murders. Even when you look someone in the eye, even when he tells you he was pressured, it is still so hard to understand why a normal guy in his 20s would admit to something so horrific. I remember looking at this girl. So we collected sections of Michael Scott's confession. I had gun go off. And showed them to Saul Casson, a psychology professor at John Jay College for criminal justice. Casson was familiar with the case because he was once contacted by the defense. I only pulled the trigger once. A good, valid confession will look something just like this. But there are many false confessions that are known, proven false confessions, that also look just like this. I hear somebody get slapped. You can't tell just by looking. But why would somebody confess to something they didn't do? What goes on in a person's mind to say, yeah, I was there, I was thinking this? One is the person feels absolutely trapped. At some point where he's handing his that revolver, what does he say to you? The goal of interrogation, very explicitly, is to increase the anxiety associated with denial. Let's do it now. You went inside those doors with those boys. We know you did it, and we don't want to hear any lies. Didn't you, Michael? I don't remember. Yes, you do remember. No, I don't. Michael? And when police apply pressure for long periods of time, Casson says even innocent people can crack. Is that the gun you shot somebody with, Mike? Take a look at what happened during Scott's interrogation. Is that the gun you walked up behind somebody with and shot the head? People will make very, very myopic short-term decisions. They are very concerned about, I've got to stop the pain now. Come on here, though. I think most people think when they look at this, you could not make me yeah. confess. The only answer I can give you to that question is that when you look at DNA exonerations, roughly a quarter of them had false confessions as a factor in those cases. And tell us what f***ing happened. What did those two boys do to those girls? You and it's not them? just Casson who had concerns. So did John Jones, the original lead detective on the case. Even though John was taken off the case, he knows as much about it as anyone. It's a nice confession, but it's still got to match up to the facts. For instance, Jones says the killers did not go into the yogurt shop office, as Michael Scott claimed they did. And how do you know that that part of the confession just didn't happen? Well, the door was locked when we got there. We had to use a key on it to open. Jones also wonders about Scott's language in his written statement. I had a Zippo lighter with me and lit the fire. I heard a whoosh sound of the accelerant when it caught fire. Accelerant was a multi-syllable word, and I think that was his first multi-syllable word. You think it was fed by one of the investigators? I think he heard it earlier, yeah. Because who refers to lighter fluid as an accelerant? I mean, that's cop talk. Surprisingly, it was during our interview that Jones saw the video for the first time. You were one of the initial yep. investigators, and you've never seen the confession. Odd, isn't it? Jones and his partner were troubled that they weren't consulted by the new investigators when they got those confessions, especially since Jones spoke to the suspects first, right after the crime. We had a man, and... We didn't get anything close to that out of them, and they were still juveniles then. I didn't think, and I still don't, that persons of that age could hold that information in. Prosecutors were hoping to bolster their case with new, more reliable DNA tests. If you remember, Springsteen said that he had raped one of the victims, but prosecutors got a shock when those DNA results came back, as it turns out, DNA from the crime scene did not match Springsteen, nor any of the men accused of the crime. The beauty of DNA is that it damns and it saves. 
Defense attorney Sawyer says that in this case, it saves Robert Springsteen. After they began wringing admissions out of Robert, the cops get him to the penultimate question. You killed her, didn't you? Yes, yes, all right, I killed her. And then, of course, they tell him, no, no, that's not enough. You were man enough to admit that you murdered her. Now, now, own up to it. You raped that girl. No, I did not. Come on, Robert. Be a man, Robert. You've got the guts for it. Tell us. Except that, that can't be true. We know to a scientific certainty that is not true. And yet, the prosecution was still determined to retry both men. After months of delays, however, the judge decided to release Robert Springsteen and Michael Scott without bail. They would await retrial as free men. What does it feel like to be out? It's wonderful, and I'd like to thank God and my families and my attorney. I didn't really quite exactly believe it. The girls' families couldn't believe it either. I cried for days. When I was told they were let out, I was just angry. I wanted to hit something. You just take a breath and you go, okay, this is one more thing to deal with. There never would be new trials. There simply wasn't enough evidence, and so prosecutors dropped all charges against both men. Today, investigators still won't admit they might have gotten the wrong guys. Their attitude is, well, if the DNA didn't match those four guys, there must have been a fifth one with them. That's absolutely absurd. Why have they never mentioned a fifth man in the entire time? The boys have never mentioned a fifth man. The DA's office has never mentioned a fifth man. There's no fifth man. This woman says, Go ahead. Not only did the Austin police have it wrong, she has a pretty good idea who did do the killings. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I've never seen a case go off the rails like this. Even with so much at stake, the investigation completely collapsed. With both Michael Scott and Robert Springsteen out of prison and cleared by DNA, the real question is, whose DNA was it? It's haunting to, the, to this city. Beverly Lowry has written a new book, Who Killed These Girls? What's your first reaction when you hear about that fifth man theory? Oh, I've, now, I don't hear people talking about that so much anymore. The fifth man theory was that idea authorities came up with. If the DNA found at the crime scene didn't match any of the suspects, there must have been a fifth mystery man. I've been in the back room of the, what used to be the yogurt shop. It's a very, very small room. You have five guys in the back of there doing that. It just uh, makes no sense. 25 years ago, it was about like this. Mm-hmm. Cold, dark. Not long ago, I took a drive back to the scene with attorney Amber Farrelly. She was on both Scott and Springsteen's defense teams. It's very close to the highway. 
um, two major highways actually, and railroad tracks. So if anybody wanted to come in and, and get out of Dodge quickly, they could. Definitely not something that I would say would be a crime of opportunity. It'd be more like a something premeditated, definitely planned. And she believes those killers were in the yogurt shop that night and the cops missed it. I know exactly who killed those four girls. I have his DNA profile. I know who it is, I just don't know his name. She put together a timeline, a detailed account of everyone who came into the yogurt shop that night. And are these then customers who were there at the yogurt shop at the time? Yes, and I've got them here um, and, and pretty much kind of their important nuggets that they said to the police. But she found two men police never identified and never talked to. You start looking at everything, you can tell that we're missing two people. And when you say missing two people, what do you mean by that? They have accounted for and interviewed 52 people that were in the yogurt shop that day. There are several customers in there that mention a guy or at the very end, two guys. These two mysterious guys were still in the shop at closing time. These two men that you've marked with these big question marks, these are the two killers you believe? Yes. Who were definitely in after 1047? Yes. And the last two people in there, except for the girls? The last two people in there. How are they described by witnesses? One is described as having lighter hair, maybe like a dirty blonde, about five foot six late 20s, early 30s. The other is described as a bigger man. Um, both are described as wearing bigger coats. One as a green coat, army fatigue kind of looking jacket. Um, the other with a black jacket. A local newspaper, the Austin Chronicle, illustrated her theory. So this is actually the, the photograph of the yogurt shop. As you can see here, the, the chairs and um, They've superimposed to those two men there. This and, uh, is just an artist's drawing, yes. right? Um, yes. Based, though, on what witnesses said they saw. Two men sitting at a table. What do you think the motive was? Was it just robbery? No, absolutely not. There was an open bank bag underneath the cash register. I think that the motive for the crime was evil just to do what those men did and it wasn't about money to hurt those girls yes Farrelly believes the mystery dna belongs to one of those two men the trouble is identifying them i believe one day we will find them i probably am the only person on this case with hope that we will actually be able to identify this person by name one day. She hopes that someone seeing this broadcast will come forward. But the original detective on the case, John Jones, says you can only consider them potential witnesses, nothing more. That's two witnesses that we don't have. That's all I can say about that. Will authorities take a new look at the case and track down those two men? I have confidence that they will. I can't tell you when, I can't tell you how. The only thing I'm confident about is the crime will be solved. Until then, it's an investigation hanging in limbo. Why is this anniversary something that hits you every single year? Well, it represents one that got away. Returning to this place 25 years after I first reported on this crime, feelings came rushing back. I think about Jennifer, Sarah, Eliza, and Amy a lot these days. Three of them would be in their 40s. They might even have children of their own. And I may never be able to forget Maria Thomas's pain. Sadly, last year, she passed away. I can never forget what she told me. The missing. The missing is the hardest part. I just wish I could have more memories.
you have any information on this case, police encourage you to call 512-472-TIPS. Under Texas law, neither Robert Springsteen nor Michael Scott is entitled to compensation for their wrongful convictions until a court officially declares their innocence. Take true crime with you on your shirt, mug, or hat with official 48 Hours merchandise at ParamountShop.com. You can take 20% off with code HOURS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all 48 Hours products with code HOURS20 at ParamountShop.com. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital edition wherever you get your books. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.